You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Who To Be A Podcast, the Big 4 I'm your host, Jim Chisholm, and today I'm joined by three other people. So we've got football writers, Blake Welton and Rory Benson, and we've got sports writer, Tom Howe. Did I pronounce that right? That's absolutely right, yeah. Brilliant. Got it first time. This is, I don't even have to do my research. <laughs> um, so we're gonna, today we're going to review Saturday's incredibly frustrating game against Swansea and then we'll look at Palace which is looking like shaping up to be an incredibly important game. Before we do I'm going to point you in the direction of our sponsors BA52. Go on the website, type in the code Huddersfield which I really hope you can all spell by now. You get a £29 crate of beer for 5 95 which is brilliant and remember drink responsibly. So the important stuff Saturday, was that the most frustrating football game in the history of football games? Um, I I don't think so. I think it's frustrating if you've got a team that is capable of winning and they're not trying. I think if you ask a Manchester United fan, their exit last night was more frustrating oh, because... Boo-hoo. Well... You know, because they're a team that should be winning, they should be performing better than they are. Instead of going through the motions and playing at a slow, slow tempo and and just basically boring everyone into submission. A team like Huddersfield Town, you could see the graph was there. You could see everything. They were every ounce of any everything they had. You know, so that is not frustrating for me that is just the circumstances and situation of having a side going down to 10 men naturally you know it's going to be a bit of a back to the walls for them and it's up to the opposition to try what they can and obviously town did that um and they aren't the most free scoring side as well so a nil nil was inevitable in the end for me I thought it was incredibly frustrating <laughs> is the correct answer <laughs> I was getting driven absolutely mad I, like in our seats it was just not not particularly because town couldn't score but because to just see a team go 10 men go down to 10 men and then just set up shop and be like we're not even going to try and get forward I think there was one ball into the area which was miscontrolled and then Jonathan all cleared it up Yeah, and it was just I don't know. Like I, I can see why Swansea needed to do it. They need the points on the board. You know they're in, you know, basically Towns' position. So a point for them at that point was decent. What makes it more frustrating as well is that before the game you would have taken a point, but because of the circumstances of the game, you really should have been taking three points there. So although you come out of it at the end being like, oh yeah, point that's all right, just it was there for the <laughs> taking the game. Like if someone could just have. I don't know, like the amount of balls into the box which were just too high or just too short for the strikers. You know, it needs to be inch perfect in the Premier League, and it just wasn't on the day, which made it more frustrating. And like you say, I'm not, you know, saying that they didn't try anything like that. They threw everything at them, 
but it just didn't quite come off. Mm, depends if you are frustrated by the fact that this team can only play one way. I mean, to have the most possession any team has in any game since 2003 and still not get over the line, I think would be frustrating in lots of people's book. Um, Aaron Moy obviously said after the game that he hadn't been a part of a team that had that much possession and, and not won. So um, I think, yeah, most town fans would have come away with a strong sense of, of what might have been. But um, at this stage of the season, you can't dwell too much, I think, on, on drop points like that. I think um, it's very much the case of, of moving on from this. I, I totally agree going with what, what Tom said as well. I think to label it the most frustrating game of football, I think maybe certain players were more frustrating than others, and it was just, and as Tom alluded to the facts as well, it's the formation is frustrating because it's only one way of playing. Um, certainly for me, Rajiv van der Power frustrated me uh, on the day, and Scott Malone as well. Um, everything seemed to be coming on the uh, right hand side um, with Flo. They were looking to Flo. At one point, you had Malone and Rajiv van der Power free on the left Aaron had the ball in the middle and he was still looking out right because he just knew that if he got the ball out right there would be some sort of delivery whereas the two on the left um, you know they, they were just kind of playing like you know, the, with octopus legs yeah, just I, I agree I agree that, that like all the attacking was coming down the right and I think Flo Brute, like I think he's got the best delivery in the team I yeah. think most mm. people would agree with that but the fact is that they went down the right and they still didn't score. So it's you know the pe- the two players on the left. I agree were a bit more frustrating than Flo because at least he was putting balls into the box. Problem is those balls weren't quite good enough on the day either. So you know it's frustrating watching someone put loads of balls into the box and then not hit a man, as it is watching two people not put any balls into the box or like put the occasional one in. So like, it was just a frustrating day all down all around. Do we have to give Swansea some credit though? I mean, was it? A lack of end product on our part, or, or was it that Swansea just set up really well and a classic Carval performance? I, I don't know if I would give Swansea credit. I, I know. I agree. Yeah, they, they came away with a point, which is a great point from the situation that we we're in. But that is, it was just a horrible game of football to watch, and you know we will watch football, hopefully to see Town mm. win and to be entertained. Neither of those things happened, which made it even more frustrating. I mean, they've been Arsenal and Liverpool recently, so I think they'll be quite happy just to take a point from that game, given the circumstances. Um, and actually, I think they've shown themselves to be quite adaptable in that sense, in a way that maybe Town haven't in, in recent weeks. So, yeah, I think they do take take some credit, although it certainly wasn't easy on the eye. I thought um, Hernandez and Mawson were brilliant at the back for them, and, that, and they have to take a bit of credit for... You know how they dug in, and that, um, and, and how they were composed, and they were, you know, very tight and frustrating. Um, but as I said, from my point point of view, from a perspective of having a slight allegiance to Sunderland, um, you know that that is that is frustrating watching someone like Sunderland and that week in week out, or supporting Sunderland and, and that, and knowing there's players that aren't trying, or you know, or the re- just results. So, you know, I, I was. Keeping it a bit per perspective. Yeah. Well, a lot of League One players are, are triers, so <laughs> I think you'll be fine, to be honest. Um, does anyone want to throw out some banal cliches about the red card? Uh, anyone? No? Over the ball studs up. Over the ball studs up. Reckless. Caught him high. Reckless, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> are there any lessons that Town can learn from this draw? I thought the substitutions were interesting. Mm. I mean, that was something that, that provoked debate. 
Um, I think taking Pritchard off at the time he did, I think confused a few and maybe not bringing Departure on earlier as well. Um, I thought that that maybe I saw him, I don't know, concede a bit of spark that, that could have could have done something later on. Um, but uh, it's it's a fun, it was a funny one really. I mean, it hit the woodwork tr- the woodwork twice, uh, obviously. So yeah, it is, I think it was a case of. It's not their day. Yeah, I, the substitution that you highlighted there, the, the Pritchard substitution, I really didn't understand. I just, I, I can understand he, he wanted to change it up, change the approach, but the approach didn't really change when, when they made the substitution. And I think Pritchard's one of those players, he's probably the most incisive in the final third that Town have. And when you're trying to break down a team with 10 players, you know, all it takes is the ball to fall to someone like him in the area. And it's you know it's one nil, and then the whole complexion of the, the game changes. If you're gonna, if you were gonna take him off, I'd rather have seen Sabiri on the pitch. You know, we probably haven't seen we've seen flashes of what he can do. So maybe that was the the kind of twenty minute period that he might have been able to stamp his influence on on the game. But no, I, I would have liked to have seen Pritchard or at least another n- number ten play out the rest of the game because I think you know as well that you've got nothing to lose because Swansea weren't looking forward at all so you could pile on a few more players and I know you can't you really can't lose to, to a team like Swansea who are you're a direct rival but there was just no attacking impetus there at all that I think you could have thrown on a few more attacking players and taken off a defender I think um, David after the game said he took Pritchard off because it wasn't it turned into not his source of game where it was trying to get balls in, into the box and literally just run through uh, Swansea which is why Colin Kwana came on because he's hoping Colin would get the ball and run run through or he, you know his legs would ricochet and through and, and that or, or whatever and someone would come into it um, so I think that's why Pritchard went off and I, I can agree and I can see the logic behind that but I I agree with both Tom and, and Rory in the fact that departure should have been on earlier but to countenance that as well, I think um, the Potter and Munier, when they have played briefly together, there's no cohesion and there's no kind of, they don't really know where they're going or where they're standing and playing together. Um, classic other example of it working well was Burnley were losing this weekend to West Ham. They brought on uh, Chris Wood to play alongside Barnes two men up top and they seem to just work nowhere each other and, and, and get the result in Held the end. a few West Ham fans. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, and I think that's that's the thing we can maybe take from it is, you know, there will be times when maybe Mounier and Departure will have to play together so they need to be working on the training pitch in those situations on the same training drills of like, well, you know, I'll you, you stand here, I'll stand there, I'll knock it on, I'll do this, look for me doing this, that and that because at the moment you've got two very good individual strikers but when they're on the field together there's no cohesion yeah I mean you've mentioned that before haven't you and you can't really expect there to be an understanding when they haven't played together that much it's, mm. it's either or so let's move on to Palace and let's leave that Swansea game forever <laughs> in the dustbin of history it's difficult with Palace isn't it because they're probably going to set up in a similar way they're going to be tight constrict the space try and hit us on the counter with the pace so, what can we do differently? I think, like we've touched on before, I think Town will set up exactly the same yeah. way. They'll play the four-two-three-one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a completely unchanged team. For me, I think one change which could happen, which I think would be a good change to make, is to switch Jonathan Hogg for Danny Williams. 
Jonathan Hogg has been on a superb run of form. He's been excellent the last few games. But so is Danny Williams, mm. and he brings you something a bit more dynamic to the middle of the, the park. He can carry the ball in a way that I don't think many of the other people in the town sort of team can do and drive the team forward that way. Yeah, Hogg's very good at doing what he does, which is breaking up play and laying it off. But I think you're right, Williams is someone who can then move forward with it or offer something a bit different. And that extra mobility as well, just a screen in, in front of the back four, while, while Palace counter at pace might help as well. Hogg is, uh, as you say, a tough competitor, but maybe Williams just brings that ability to get around the park a bit more and snuff out a few few counter-attacks that I think Palace will, will come with. Yeah, the only other change is, well, I think the reason Scott Malone played um, on Saturday against Swansea was because maybe Chris Lowe would be better at left-back against um, Crystal Palace because of the width and the counter-attacking at pace. Um, and that particularly you've got Andros Townsend, you've got uh, Wilfred Zahar back, so they will be looking to the width and, and that and the and the channels really. So I think Chris Lowe gives a little bit more defensive stability in that, and I think he's got a better delivery as well than than Scott Malone. So that that would be the other change. As as everyone knows, there's a massive love in with me and Jonathan Hogg, but I I can't. Is that know. mutual? Well, I don't know, I, you know. So um, maybe I, after listening to this, you know, we'll find out or whatever. But um, but yeah, I I can't disagree with what Roy said about Williams and that um, you know, he was he was playing so well, so it's hard to leave him out. And Hogg, okay, he was man of the match on Saturday, but you know, it swings and roundabouts, so. I'll just touch on, on Chris Lover again. I think I think Scott Malone did play last weekend, so that Lover can play this weekend because he's played Palace before this season. Mm. So he's gonna know what they're gonna bring. Obviously it's a different under a different manager and probably a different formation and that kind of thing, but he, he does know the players that he'll be up against a bit more than someone like Scott Malone would or Terence Conglo should you know, if he was fit. Yeah. Um so I think that's probably why Chris Lover will get the nod this weekend. But I- and I think Flo as well will definitely start again because Tommy did have a bit of a he held his own uh, first game of the season against Zahar but you know well he should have been red carded he, yeah so a few yellow card challenges yeah he did just about hold on in there and, and, and that but I don't think Tommy will be starting so I definitely think it'll be Flo and Low. so where does everyone stand on this debate on, on Twitter the you know the civilised forum for civil discussion there's obviously something between town fans and Crystal Palace fans that Crystal Palace fans felt that Zaha in particular was 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 bullied and treated unfairly in the first game of the season so they're kind of out for revenge and the sort of painting town as this team of 19th century 12 foot you know bullies what's is there any truth to that well, I, would, I don't know where this has come from it's, yeah. it's a bit it's a bit rich coming from a team that were managed by Tony Pulis for a few years like <laughs> You know, you, I, I guess when when you come up from the championship, especially in the first game, you want to prove that you're you've got the metal to be there. Yeah. Mm. You know, if the ref doesn't give fouls, he doesn't give fouls, and if he does give fouls, it's up to him to to run the game, officiate it. I don't think Town were particularly bad. I think Wilfred Zaha as well maybe has a reputation for hitting the floor a bit too easy, which probably didn't. You know, that, I'm not saying that the referee got every decision right because I think there were some fouls in there that he didn't give, but. I also don't think it was particularly. There's nothing nasty in any of the tackles no. that they were going in hard, but hard and fair. Yeah. And I distinctly remember from that game the first 20 minutes thinking, "My God, Premier League referees blow their whistle constantly." Yeah. So yeah, I just I just like to see what everyone's opinion on that was. Um, does anyone else have 
anything to add about Palace? Um, I think it's a bit deceptive, obviously coming in, in on the face of it with poor form, but they played Spurs, Chelsea and United recently. And I saw them play against United, obviously, and Matic getting that late goal, and they were superb in that game. Mm, yeah. mm. They really were, uh, particularly in the first half. They, they dominated United for long spells. Um, and even against Chelsea on Saturday, the goal ruled out late on uh, at 2-0. Then Van Aanholt went to go and get another behind. So, I think when they look at these these three games, they've got um, they've got quite a decent run in. They've got Liverpool still to play, but um, I think they're they're quite an impressive outfit. Um, going, they went two up front with Benteke and Sorloth, the, the big the big man up front. Um, so I think that gives them a bit of a bit of clout in the box as well as as well as being able to uh, to beat teams with with pace. So. Yeah, I think um, when you look at, I mean, it was, it was interesting seeing the London Football Awards recently. Roy Hodgson was actually voted Manager of the Year. Yeah, um, and I thought that was interesting. I mean, obviously it was voted when they just had the the re- recovery after seven uh, under Frank de Boer. It's also been quite outspoken in the last week as well. But um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting one. I think Roy's Roy's done the job that most people would have expected of him there, and I think he may well keep them safe. Uh, uh, sorry, I agree that he's done a decent job. What I would say that you touched on their their run of form, they've not won in seven or something, mm. but they have you know been reasonably impressive against those sort of teams. At this stage of the season, I'd rather a team be playing poorly and picking up points than a team being mm. playing really well and not getting what what they deserve. Because I think mm. you know you get into that winning habit a little bit, and you know Crystal Palace don't have that. As you know, they're second still in the to bottom zone. of the form. Too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree with what what Tom said. Um, I I was actually at this game at Sellers Park and they were absolutely brilliant. But we do have to guard that by saying Manchester United were absolutely atrocious, particularly in that first 45 minutes. They did raise their game. Um, Obviously, they got 2-0 ahead. Then, Smalling, I think, got one back. And you could just see they had that set-up of a relegation side. Like, we must not lose this. Started going further and further back into their own half. And, and that and camping out and, and, and everything positive that they were doing before they went 2-0 up just dissipated and they got the sucker punch and they were down on their feet at the end but it's that sort of spirit as much as anything that I think does see you through and that's you know the same thing to, Town's got the terrier spirit and you look at the, the sides and I've, I still maintain going down West Brom Stoke and Southampton and you know I was vindicated so far with Southampton against Newcastle because they didn't have that spirit and they weren't playing whether Hughesy comes in and changes that and they get some some of that back but I think it's as much about being brave and having the spirit to, to get out and that um but yeah, totally. And and Roy's got form. Don't forget, Roy's got form. Fulham, Fulham, yeah, yeah, Fulham, West and West Brom as well. West Brom. I think I don't. I don't know if it was before, but I know definitely Fulham was. He 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 kept them up. And Last then, day at Portsmouth, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the next season they went, and I think they went on that Europa League run or something. Was it? So yeah, they got to the final. Yeah, lost to Bilbao, did they? Or Atletico? Atletico, yeah. Yeah. So so I I said jokingly down to a few of the uh, the, the Palace sort of uh, staff down. I said, oh, you know, you survive this year, you'll be, you know. Heading to Europa League this season after or something mm. on the via the fair play or something. So um, I think they'll have enough, but whether they'll have enough to get three points on Saturday, I hope not. So can I have your score predictions? I'll start with you, Rory. Uh, I'm gonna go one-one. I think 
Town don't like to do anything the easy way. True. Uh, so I think it'll be a draw, and you know the nerves will creep in a little bit more. I still, even if they draw, I still think they'll stay up. Uh, I think there are three worse teams than them. Yeah. Who scores? Important question. Alex Pritchard, dead ball situation. Brilliant. Blake. I, w- I was going to go one-one as well. Um, he can't now. He's done it. Yeah. Uh, I'll nil-nil. <laughs> nil-nil. Nil-nil. Oh, and you know, Crystal Palace have two players sent on. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I said four games, uh, four points out of the next two, um, and that they've got one. Um, Palace aren't, you know, I don't know if they're the greatest away from home. Uh, I'm going to say maybe sneaky one nil town and that, um, and the scorer will be Laurent Departure. Tom, um, I'll shake it up. Two one Palace. Um, <laughs> Get out! Get out! <laughs> you won't be invited back. <laughs> um, Zaha potentially back I think he's the kind of player that could decide that yeah. game um, and they've also got other players back uh, Sacco, Loftus-Cheek, Kabai if they get two of those back I think they'll have enough um, but yeah I agree I think there are definitely three worst sides in town I just just don't fancy them on Saturday Right well I'm going to go 1-0 town I'll go for a Tommins goal <laughs> yeah. a 40 yard screamer Every week Tommins Still not shaved still not cut my hair it's getting ridiculous in here Right, let's move on to the big big topic of the week. Is David Wagner off back to Dortmund? I'm going to start with Blake. Yeah, um, thanks for that. Obviously, anyone who maybe has been living in a cave or, or whatever, there was a story that broke, um, I think it was um, Saturday evening, uh, in the mirror, um, saying that Dortmund are unhappy with their current coach, who's only been there four months, and they... Um, they're keeping tabs on David Wagner um, and making, you know, prepared to maybe make a swoop in the summer. Um, everything else is said was, you know, David's been doing a great job at town. Whether they stay up or get relegated, his job here is, is safe, which we all know. So the million dollar question, which uh, James has nicely deferred straight to me, is is he off if he got that offer? Just like to say, if he got that offer, nothing is definite um, at the moment it's just press speculation but they don't just pluck these things out of the, the air um, it would be very hard to turn down Dortmund um, yes he has turned down previous things Aston Villa, Wolfsburg um, but I think David back then and still David now knows his worth you know he knows you know where he wants to be and the currency he 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 is at and I think at the moment if they stayed up his currency would be at probably the highest it could be for a long time and if a decent club and I'm not just saying Dortmund maybe Arsenal again that's just you heard it here first no, David no, Wagner no. <laughs> but, on but, his way to the Emirates but you, you know that's you know he know he knows you know he knows what he wants and he knows and he'd be looking for a bigger you know not just a mid table you know Watford and I was sagging Watford off again <laughs> God's sake. um we're still trying to get through the emails in the last episode want another manager. yeah one every yeah. two months or something so you know or, or Everton you know Everton is something that you know so he and that and I, I think no one will begrudge him if he went to a, a, a side like you know Dortmund Everton you know, Arsenal, whatever. I mean, I think he'll go whether we stay up or whether we go down. 
either to Dortmund or maybe a similar sized club. Mm. I think the the writing's on the wall for me. Does anyone else have an opinion on that? Uh, I think if it's the case of uh, just specifically on Dortmund, are they going to be in the market for a new manager in the summer? Potentially, yes. I think that they will be. Um, they have struggled this season under Thomas Tuchel, although Batshuayi coming in has helped them climb up the table, but it looks like they will maybe well miss out on European football. Um, should Town prepare themselves for an approach? I think yes. I think there's certain to be to be interest, uh, as you say. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think he's, I think he's on his way. Rory, Rory, <laughs> the face of someone who doesn't want to have an opinion uh, yeah. on this subject. <laughs> uh, I think there'll be offers. Um, I'm not going to say whether I think it'll. Well, I don't know if it'll go or not. I'm not really sure. It depends what he's. He always talks about this long-term plan that he had at Huddersfield. It depends how long that plan is. If his plan is to keep him up and then make a mid-table and mm. go for a cup run next year, I think he will stick to his original plan. Like, If his plan was to keep him up and then that's as far as he wants to take the club or he thinks he can take the club, then he'll leave. But I, I wouldn't want to guess at this uh, at the minute whether he'll go or not. Because I think at, as well at a club like Huddersfield with Dean Hoyle, in that owner he's found someone who will back him to the hilt wherever and I think if he went to a club this, like Dortmund have mm. changed managers pretty regularly the last few years uh, Arsenal anyone who takes over from Wenger is going to have a poison chalice mm. like when some when Moyes took over from Fergie yeah I don't think it's his but I think Fergie was quite well respected still when he left I think Wagner yeah, I think, I think people you, are going to be calling him taxis and showing him the door if you talk honest. to United fans though about <laughs> the state that Fergie left the club in it does leave a bit of a tarnished mark on his reputation obviously he can't take away the titles but he left He left Moyes with nothing to yeah, yeah, he I mean he hadn't bought a central midfielder in yeah. years he'd brought Scholes back from retirement yeah Anderson playing in central midfield that's yeah. you know but yeah I don't know Like I, I think there are pros and cons from staying and leaving you know I, I don't know I wouldn't want to guess what he's thinking in his head of course there's a precedent as well for a side getting relegated and the manager leaving and, and getting a better job in Roberto Martinez as well. Um, again, very close relationship with the chairman there. Um, oh, okay, they won the FA Cup, which kind of like, oh yeah, okay, you know, won the FA Cup. But Martinez went on to manage Everton first season. He was he was great at Everton. Then it went a bit sour. Now he's Belgian boss. So, you know, taking Belgium to a, a World Cup. So there is precedent as well. So I think even if he went down. I don't think his credibility would be tarnished too much by having the relegation on a CV because everyone thought they'd have 10 points and be down by now and be the biggest laughing stock in Premier League history. So he's proved everyone wrong already. There we are, the hot take. Is there anything else, Blake, there's something you want to mention? Yeah, um, I don't know, story um, that we had. Uh, news actually put out a story about a, a woman, her first game um, at the John Smith Stadium and she got booted out and was banned for life or banned indefinitely because she was drinking alcohol um, in view of the pitch um, and that she is a new, she was a new fan with a husband who hadn't been for 10 years and... I just thought it was a little bit overzealous, really. Um, I've, I've been to games, I think I went a few years ago, Fulham versus Blackpool, and there was a mixed, you know, mixed zone um, of fans, and there's a load of American girls who were coming to watch the soccer, and half-time, and they had like a, a, a couple of pints of beer, and they went up to the concourse to try and, you know, because that's what they do in America. And... Um, 
steward yourself so you can't take oh oh well, you know I'd like to drink and it's like no big deal and I just think the steward was a little bit overzealous in his behaviour and just wondered what everyone's take was on the issue of drinking in scrounds and this um, I think well look at a sport like rugby the argument's always been the behavioural aspect of it that it, that it impacts impacts that I think uh, when you look at a sport like rugby I mean, that does attract quite a lot of people to it um, obviously it's an inferior spectacle but um, yeah I think Watford that's just, rugby anything else that's just, uh, that's just <laughs> I mean the life ban is <laughs> yeah a life ban is is quite ridiculous uh, I mean, just yeah. all you need is a tap on the shoulder just like um, hand that over to me or, or the, they're issuing indefinite bans for anything now and taking a very long time to process the bans now. You could say that you got to give them the benefit of the doubt because there's a lot more people coming, but they are handing out a lot more bans and they're not using common sense. Um, we've had a lot more issues this year with, with banning orders and a lot of the stuff is just it's just petty and it, it didn't have to escalate to that level. Um, I think we're at a stage now with KSDL and John Robinson where, you know, I, I would say that that relationship could be a lot better if there was a proper mechanism of dialogue between the stadium holding company and supporters groups, whether it's ourselves, whether it's the Cowshed Loyal, whether maybe the supporter liaison officer could be involved. It's definitely something that we're, we're keen to take on because we, we don't want it to be like this next season. Yeah, I think as well. You know, we're, we're talking because it's it's not full ownership of the club. You know, there's KDSL. Like a few weeks ago, I was waiting for David after the Bournemouth game, and you know, Julian Winter. Mr. Wagner to you. Yeah, Mr. You know, Mr. Wagner. So, so um, and uh, Julian Winter couldn't get through with the owner of AFC Bournemouth. Uh, the steward stopped him and said, "Sorry, you haven't got a pass down here." And then Julian was like. You know, not rude or anything. He was just kind of saying, "Well, do you know who I am? I'm Julian Winter. This is the owner of AFC Bournemouth," and uh, it was just all of a little bit awkward and you know uncomfortable. And I just think it needs to be sorted out um, with um, it needs to be sorted out with whoever stewarding and a little bit more common sense all around. Really, anyone else? No. So I think we're we're done for the week. Well. Uh, oh no we've got a question thank you for that Blake doing my job for me Cameron Littlewood on Twitter what's wrong with Tom Ince and is he good enough for the Premier League he just can't score we all know that hence my beard I asked him a lot when he was at Derby um, and he was kind of he always wanted to play in that kind of right position right of the three um, and now he's got his chance and we played him Derby played him a lot at number 10 um, and he wasn't happy with that now he's got a run in the Premier League in his preferred position and hasn't produced so I think that says a heck of a lot about uh, about the, the guy and, uh, and where his career is going so back to the Championship <laughs> is that what you're saying Tom? I, um, I think he's he's a confidence player isn't he I think yeah. if he if he managed to net four goals in four games but is that going to happen? I, I don't know maybe if he scores then the confidence will flow and he'll be, be able to get it going I think mm. you know I don't want to make excuses for him but he is you know he needs to be stepping up a little bit now and needs to be scoring more goals and creating more than he is mm. I do think that he is a pain for defenders to come up against mm. 
he just needs to work on that final product, which is you know something we've said about quite a lot of the time. And it's not for want of trying. No, he yeah, does have a lot not. of shots, yeah. and and he's been unlucky in many ways. I he's think. technically very good as well. He's you know we talk about Colin Kwana last week in comparison. Technically, Tom is is very good. It is just his end product. Um, one one thing I will say, which I wouldn't like to agree with, but it has stuck in my head, and I don't want to name drop, but I was talking a, f- a few games ago to Jerry Barton before before a game, and he was asking about, <laughs> I was asking about, you know, we're talking, and Tomins came up, and he said Tomins is a deceptive player. He's never actually earned the right to be in the Premier League. He's always managed to manoeuvre or, or get moves to Premier League sides, and obviously, you know, with Crystal Palace, Hull, and and now Huddersfield Town, he's never been in a promotion winning side and, and been there by right and you know I don't know I don't know if there's something in that you know turn down into Milan as everyone who yeah famously. turn down into Milan as well so you know there's a lot of players like that though isn't yeah, there yeah there is no, that's, that's, so, yeah. that's why I don't want to and the the, the flip side of having a famous dad who's played football and, and maybe getting opportunities is that you're always held to the standard yeah of your, of, your, of your dad or your famous relative or, or whatever and he's just never going to be that but nobody's saying that he has to be and so I think he's he's held to an unfairly high standard that other players aren't I think he's a good player I think he does good tra- defensive work tracking back I think he can be a handful I think this season he hasn't had a, a real run on the right where he prefers to play he's, he's often been a number 10 or he's been shunted out for, for Kwana and I think we ran a poll that 82% of people said they would rather have Ince on the right than, than Kwana. So, you know, the people have spoken. Yeah, t- totally. I, w- I would never say this to Joey Barton's face, but, you know, I, it was something I wasn't 100% agreeing with, but it was just something interesting he raised. Coward. Yes, Joey. Yes, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say. And on that note, we'll bid you farewell. But remember, if you've enjoyed listening, go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. And until then, keep the faith. Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij de Sony Xperia XA2. Voor 19,50 per maand, 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1500 MB internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Week. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op, geld lenen kost geld.